traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. This this is the news and talk station of New York with Greg Kelly. Real, real New York. 77 WABC. Hiya, that's me. Yes, thank you, Bill O'Reilly, and uh, to the other individual. All right, what? I'm sorry. We're not through January 6th yet. I know it's quite a burden going through all of this all over again. The best advice I've heard recently is to ignore all of the hype. And remember this, um, you are aware of the truth and very few people in the country are aware of the truth. And those who are aware of it, most of them are not like me. They don't want to talk about it. They, ooh, do they not want to talk about it? They just want to keep their heads down, uh, go along with the mom. Not me. Not my style. Um, and fortunately, a whole bunch of crazy things happened over the years, and I am in a position where I am uniquely unafraid of these. Well, we got a combination of folks. We've got some just silly people. We've got absolute evil people. We've got uh, nitwits and clowns and just go along and get along type of people. And uh, I've uh, I've run with some of those crews before. Uh, just keeping my head down. Oh, don't want to attract any attention. But no, they went too far. They just went too far. Um, calling January 6th a coup is obviously cuckoo. Totally nuts. Uh, what did I put out today that uh, infuriated a good chunk of the traditional media world, but delighted some people I respect. All right. And it goes like this. It was legal. It was constitutional and it was right to object to the electoral count on January 6th of last year. There is a law under which objections could be raised, discussed, voted upon. This phony crap of a coup, it's just the kind of lie that leaders of a coup might tell. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know what's happening. I do. Vicious lies are being told about our country and uh, about our systems and about everything that happened on that day. You are aware of the truth, and so am I. And it truly does. Just like John said in the Bible, it sets you free. huh? Um, all right. First, I've uh, got to bring it back locally because we do have a big problem on our hands that i got to admit, I didn't really see coming. I should have anticipated it. I anticipated it. Uh, we all should have been more vigilant. But now we have a radical, wacko, crazed lunatic who is the district attorney of New York County, also known as Manhattan, the most important county in the country. I think it's safe to say and it's probably the most visited if you add it all up uh, from Broadway to the museums. to I think this is the number one tourist destination in America. And we have a guy 
in power right now, very influential post. His name is Alvin Bragg. He's the DA, and he just essentially decriminalized armed robbery. If you try to rob a convenience store with a gun, as long as you don't pull the trigger, everything's fine. If you don't kill anybody, if you don't seriously hurt anybody, we don't want you to go to jail. This is literally the stuff he's outlining in a 10-page memo to his staff. Things they're not going to prosecute anymore. Trespassing. I, I, I mean, somebody's on your property trespass. Resisting arrest. Prostitution. Maybe we should have a conversation about that. You know, illegalizing prostitution, you know who it helps more than anybody? Prostitutes and potential prostitutes. It is a horrible horrible way of life and we're just saying it's okay if you're caught we're going to give you a ticket for it no sex work is dangerous and it really should be illegalized but you want to have that conversation fine we'll have that conversation but we never had it we got some nut job uh self-appointed self-appointed and i do mean self-appointed he won an election. Guess how many people voted for him? Uh, we have h- how many people in this? Eight million. I think there are about two million in Manhattan. Now, this is bigger than just one county. It's bigger than Manhattan because everybody comes into Manhattan from around the country, from around the tri-state area. Our population swells, or at least it did before COVID, to like 20 million a day or 12 million, something like that. Many, many millions come here. They ain't going to be coming anymore where somebody can stick a gun in your face and not have to worry about prison. Hey, criminals are pretty savvy. They they know what they can get away with and they're going to get away with it. Wait a second, we're not going to get prosecuted for that. We're not going to get we're not going to what's the what's the word they love to use? Carceral. Carceral. Uh there will be no carceral solutions to armed robbery. It's crazy. It's insane. Now There is some wiggle room in this memo where he could say, no, we actually do reserve the right. It is the message that is being sent that is dangerous. And why? Oh, let me tell you how many people voted for him. In a city of 8 million, 86,000 people made this guy the district attorney. That's it. 86,000 on some dreary day in June. It was probably sunny, but, you know, an ordinary Tuesday in June, they snuck in a primary. And that's, and then these guys think they're leaders. They think they're like, do you remember? I remember vividly Giuliani versus Dinkins. I remember Bloomberg versus Mark Green. Those big contests. When did we have them? On election day in November, where they belong. This sneaky, phony baloney having the primary in June. Why do they do that? So they can sneak this stuff right by us. And they did. I guess we could blame ourselves, but look, we all have lives to live. And we kind of counted on our authorities to put this stuff before us. Well, they didn't. They snuck it in. A June primary. So uh, that gives us uh, Alvin Bragg, the same district attorney's office uh, who presided over that uh, very prestigious um, entity in law enforcement circles. Let's see. Uh, there was this guy named Hogan. Was very prestigious. Oh, Thomas Dewey became governor, ran for president a couple of times. Had the job for like 14 years or something like that. 
Hey, Morgenthal, he was there for like 40 years. These were giants. Morgenthal was a Democrat, but you know what? He he was kind of a, a political guy. You know, he got the job done. Safety was the was the issue. Now, here's Alvin Bragg saying hello to everybody on his first day in office, okay? And here's what none of this has to do with anything, but all these crazy policies, you know, no jail for armed robbers, no jail for uh, resisting arrest. We're not going to recommend it. Now we really got to re- rely on these judges to say, get the hell out of here. But the judges are notorious for handing out light sentences. This is an official memo. After 86,000 people voted for him, he thinks he's all that. Very first paragraph, his very first uh, words as district attorney, he writes this. Growing up in Harlem in the 1980s, I saw every side of the criminal justice system from a young age. Before I was 21 years old, I had a gun pointed at me six times, three by police officers and three by people who were not police officers. All right, how is that my problem? How is that your problem? Now, these issues, somehow he thinks he's going to uh, make the world right. So, no, that's your that's your that you deal with that. Let's see what else. I had a knife to my neck, a semi-automatic gun to my head and a homicide victim on my doorstep. Hmm. All right. Glad I'm not you. In my adult life, I have posted bail for family. Oh, really? What did they do? Hmm. Answered the knock of the warrant squad on my door in the early morning. Uh, details, please. <laughs> Jeez. Um, let's see. Uh, and watched the challenges of a loved one who was living with me after returning from incarceration. Yeah, getting out of jail is uh, is tough. Late last year, during a stretch of multiple shootings within three blocks of my home. I had perhaps the most sobering experience of my life, seeing through the eyes of my children the aftermath of a shooting directly in front of our home. As we walked together past yellow crime scene tape, seemingly countless shell casings and a gun, just to get home. All right, well now, now, okay, good, now he's going to announce his tough on crime initiative. No. (laughs) No, it's the opposite. Um... This memo set out charging, bail, plea, and sentencing policies that will advance the goals of safety and justice and fairness and reserving incarceration for matters involving significant harm. But you got to understand, in his warped, crazy view, I guess because of those things that happened to him as a kid, who knows what? He also went to Harvard, I believe, and I think that's where this kookiness comes from. Um. his solution is to not put armed robbers in jail. That does not make us, you know, this is not theoretical, people. I used to hear the cable pundits, quite frankly. I was so isolated and I was so kind of lost in so many ways and I didn't have a family to worry about and I was living um, not in New York. I lived all over the place in the Marines and elsewhere. So, look, I got I got a lot on the line now. I got two daughters, a wife. We live in the city. We want to stay here. Uh, And now we have a DA who doesn't want to essentially prosecute criminals, doesn't want to send them to jail anymore. This is a major, major threat to our safety, our wellness, our vitality, our economic health, everything. 
we got to figure out a way to impeach this guy if he actually follows through on this stuff. I'll be right back. This is Greg Kelly on 77 WABC. I love it. The angrier the fake news is at you, that means you're getting closer to the truth. They don't like you talking about the truth. They get very, very upset when you talk the truth or you actually violate their protocol, their guidelines, their sense of decency. Have you no decency? By the way, we've got to talk about Joe McCarthy one of these days, the uh, late senator from Wisconsin. You know, he was uh, McCarthyism. He was uh, trying to find all the communists. Well, guess what? They said he was crazy. He may have not have been that crazy, may not have been paranoid. He was he was on to something. And uh, his big sin may have been just going astray of the swamp. In the meantime, last night, they say I committed a sin when I pointed out how uh, weak and silly some people see when they talk excessively about PTSD. Post-traumatic stress, all right? I'm telling you, it is so overdiagnosed. It's exploited. It's often an excuse. It's a way to get some money often or at least some time out, time off. Hey, it's a real thing, but it's, well, overdiagnosed. And people, you don't have to show a mark. You don't have to show a wound. You can just say, oh, I got PTSD. You know, uh, life is tough, all right? Being a cop is tough. I think Dunn, Fanone, and these guys, these Capitol Hill crybabies who showed up, they expected, I don't know, they never wanted to get their hands dirty as cops. I mean, they thought that fighting a riot would be beneath them, uh, never have to deal with that. Anyway, these guys are perfectly uh, well, um, able-bodied, but, oh, boy, are they whining. And it's uh, PTSD. Let's hear it, dear. Go to cut 28. So when you have PTS, um, I don't look at it as a disorder because you're still going and you're still getting up every day and facing the world. So I look at PTS, PTS as a, a badge of strength. Some days better than others. Uh, last week was uh, very um, rough, emotional, emotionally, and but getting the help that I need. PTSD is very much like a roller coaster ride. Some days, man, I'm just good to go. And, and then other days uh, or, or other times within the same day, um, I'm just broken. I don't believe you. <laughs> I just uh, That's Michael Fanone. He's the new CNN legal analyst, law enforcement legal analyst. Uh, he made his debut on the fake news this week. And uh, I noticed they didn't really give him a lesson on uh, on how to do anything other than talk about himself. Uh, he's really good at that. So uh, now as, as nauseating as those guys were, even worse is this fake news reporter. Uh, who's he with? He's with, I think, Rolling Stone. And listen to this guy. He actually claims PTSD. Why? What did he see that was so bad? A broken window and he had to make a phone call. He wasn't even inside the Capitol. Listen to (laughs) Cut 27. One hallmark of post-traumatic stress disorder is sort of having flashbacks um, and almost eerily clear memories. And for me, the single one that really haunts me Hmm. is this moment when I was on the phone with my editor. Um, And I was a White House correspondent. So I started that morning covering Trump. And I got a call to my editor. And the moment I hung up from that call, 
and, and it's such a simple, stupid thought, but the thing that rang in my head as I looked in one of those windows was, this is bad. It really haunts him, that, that phone call with my editor. I, he's haunted to this day. And, you know, he's, he's making it through and somehow, you know, with a little help from his therapist and everything's going to, goodness gracious, when did men become so weak? Hey, look, I'm not saying mental health issues, they're real. I've been to uh, how many psychiatrists have I had to see over the years, all right? I mean, and by the way, once you once you figure out, once you start a conversation with God, a lot of that stuff just falls away, all those, all those things, all those hang-ups, all that stuff. But this is ridiculous, all right? This is, I mean, that is a, that happened on CNN, a guy talking about how traumatic it was to talk to his editor, and he saw a broken window, and he's going to be haunted and never the same. So uh, anyway, the fake news is a little bit furious, although the angrier they get, quite frankly, the happier I get, the more satisfaction. This is from Newsweek. Uh, They just posted this an hour ago. Newsweek magazine has become an online site. I think about – I don't know what their real scope of their uh, operation is, but Newsmax host Greg Kelly calls January 6th officers despicable over PTSD claims. Well, it was – Overall, um, they're cashing in, they're commenting on political matters, uh, a host of issues, but uh, here we go. Uh, Newsmax host Greg Kelly launched a scathing attack on the officers who were protecting the Capitol on January 6th, crummy job they did, saying they were despicable for describing how they are now suffering from post-traumatic stress syndrome. Uh, During his Tuesday show last night, broadcast two days before the one-year anniversary of the riot, Kelly condemned the media appearances given by officers Michael Fanone and Harry Dunn, as well as their descriptions of how the violence from the riot still affects them. Yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, While playing clips of the officers discussing their PTSD, Kelly asked, when did it become fashionable for men to talk like this, to exaggerate things like this? Absolutely. While saying the policemen should be prepared to encounter incidents like what occurred on January 6th. Hey, you know, come to think of it. The cops and firefighters, September 11th. Did they ever make these kinds of statements? No, no, they didn't. It was a riot. Somehow they think that it was beneath them somehow, Kelly said. It's a tough job. People get hurt. I don't know. I just find these guys despicable, quite frankly. Kelly also dismissed an opinion piece from Dunn and fellow Capitol Police Officer Aquino Ganell, recently published in the Washington Post. In the article, the officers describe how they grieve for an America somehow divided over what really transpired on January 6th. 2021, and how they are deeply concerned about the threat of future political violence that continues to hover over our country. Reacting to the article, Kelly said that the officers are talking so much about what a great job they did and said the police should be held more accountable for what transpired on January 6th because of an apparent lack of preparation and action. Now, I wish they wrote about what I really said last night, which was I made fun of these guys because there's no way they wrote this article. <laughs> Gunnell can't speak English, sorry, uh, barely. And I know a little bit about what it takes to get an op-ed in the Washington Post or um, the Wall Street Journal. And they didn't do it the old-fashioned way where you get a unique idea, you sweat and slave all, all night honing it, crafting it, you know, and sending it in and, and sweating and oh boy, you know, maybe, well, they call, they don't call, they finally call. No, this was commissioned. 
Somebody wrote it for these guys. It was handled for them. Let's see. I go on to say, I love cops. It takes a special type of person to join the police force or join the military. But that doesn't mean you can just rest on your laurels. Every day you've got to produce. And January 6th was a law enforcement failure. Hello? Is this considered controversial? I don't think so. The Newsmax host then replayed clips from the day which appeared to show police letting the violent mob enter the Capitol grounds. Yes, some of them did. Allowing them inside the building with no resistance. Definitely saw that. And apparently failing to prevent the violence which was taking place inside. I'm sorry, but as organizations, they all failed. And as organizations, they let down Donald Trump. And I know there are a lot of Trump supporters in these groups, but this was a disaster and nobody deserved a gold medal. They all got a gold medal. According to the Justice Department, 140 police officers were assaulted during the January 6th riot and Capitol, including about 80 Capitol Police and 60 from the Metropolitan Department. Both departments have been contacted for a comment about Kelly's remarks. That's what fake news loves to do. They love to tattle. They love to just, oh, he said this about you. What do you say? He said this about you. What do you say about that? And some person, not a cop, by the way, who works in their bureaucracy will come up with some nasty rebuttal, I'm sure. But in the heat of the moment on January 6th, all right, you got to remember, this is on January 6th in the afternoon. Chuck Todd, you know him from MSNBC? Nobody's faker than him. Except for this rare moment of honesty, spontaneity, the afternoon of January 6th, when all this stuff was going down, here's what Chuck Todd had to say. Cut 29. You covered the Senate a a long time here. I have to, I'm sorry. I cannot believe how unprepared the Capitol Police were for today, that this, this has been this easy to happen. For once in your life, you nailed it, Chuck Todd. I'll be right back. This is Greg Kelly on 77 WABC. Hey, uh, who remembers Constantine Maroulis? Of course you do. He's great. Rock of Ages, American Idol. You hear him here on uh, WABC a lot. You know, Constantine is a great guy. I like him a lot. Very talented. And he's just cool. Uh, When it comes to politics, though, we are very, very different people. I just saw him in the studio. He's down the hall recording something. thinking about bringing him in here to have a little conversation. Sometimes we uh, find ourselves uh, debating things on Twitter. Uh, You think that's a good idea? All right. uh, We'll see if we can make that happen. I don't know if it's a good idea. I want to remain friends with the guy, if you know what I mean. We'll see. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Frank is calling from New Jersey. Hello, Frank. Hey, Greg. How you doing, there, Greg? Pleasure to talk to you. You're a great American, and uh, I had the pleasure of meeting your dad when I was uh, working for the city, and he's a great man and a, and a great American, wow. and uh, thank you for his service. Thank you, sir. Um, I just want to say, from from being a, a NYPD cop and transferring over to fire, retiring as a captain, seen a lot of horror, and uh, was at 9-11, and also the plane crash uh, down in the Rockaways. And when you see those things, you know, tragedy, it does have an effect on you. But my opinion is if you can't deal with it, you're in the wrong profession. So those rent-a-cops down there in the, in the Capitol, they should all be fired if I was running the show. If they couldn't handle that, seeing a broken window or taking a phone call, then uh, they should be out. That's my opinion. So uh, I think some of them should be fired, not all. Uh, I'm glad you acknowledge PTSD is a real thing, but it's been overblown. And yeah, yeah. By the way, that that guy. Wait, let me play that one more time. He's. I want to point remind everybody. This is not a cop. 
This is a fake news reporter who's uh, complaining about PTSD here. I already played for you when the uh, Harry Dunn, Michael Fanone, and the other one. But here, this guy is a fake news reporter. Listen to this. He's from, uh, I think he was from Rolling Stone, Cut 27. One hallmark of post-traumatic stress disorder is sort of having flashbacks um, and almost eerily clear memories. And for me, the single one that really haunts me Hmm. is this moment when I was on the phone with my editor. Um, And I was a White House correspondent, so I started that morning covering Trump. And I got a call to my editor, and the moment I hung up from that call, and and it's such a simple, stupid thought, but the thing that rang in my head as I looked in one of those windows was, this is bad. Yeah, wow, really, uh, really traumatizing, huh? That call with his editor. I don't think he realized he was talking not to nursery school kids, but to, uh, you know, television. Anyway, Frank, uh, where were you on 9-11? Tell us about that. I was actually uh, getting ready to leave on my honeymoon, put the TV on, and then saw it was happening and uh, told my wife, sorry, I got to go. And she's like, well, don't, uh, you know, uh, don't go. Tell them, you know, you just got married. I'm like, they don't have recalls. This is bad. I I felt we were going to put it out, to be honest. I figured it would burn its way up to the roof. I was very, you know, surprised when it fell down. But, you know, when you hear everything about it, uh, they say that till the middle of January. And then, then I had to get out of there. I just had enough, some weird nightmares and stuff. But, you know, it's it's part of doing that kind of a job, you know, that things could have their effect on you. But if you really can't handle it, then you shouldn't be in that job. I mean, that, that's my opinion. I uh, I agree. I agree. I want there to be help. But, hey, let me just ask you this. I mean, a lot yeah. of guys on duty right now who weren't uh, there on 9-11, just overall, culturally, do you think too much is made of PTSD? I agree. It's a real thing. But I just everybody, you know, look, if I wanted to call out sick for PTSD, I could have for a year. I think I could have taken a year off from uh, some of the stuff I've seen. But you suck it up and life is not supposed to be important. You got other ways to cope with this. Yeah, I feel that, you know, it's been hijacked like everything else. Hijacked. I you like know, it. I do yeah. have a rel- I have a relative that actually got, you know, a disability saying he was um, uh, PTSD because he fell asleep on the subway and a cop banged on that glass door to, uh, you know, that, that divider when you go out the door, banged on it, woke him up suddenly. And, you know, a lawyer took the case and he got, like, permanent Social Security. Jeez. You know, so it, it's been hijacked. <laughs> All right. Wow. That's one. That's a great story. Thank you, Frank, very much. Uh, oh, I do have to take another break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, let's see here. Oh, we are killing it in the ratings, everybody. And I thank each and every one of you. Be right back. News, opinion, and information. Never miss a headline. Like 77 WABC on Facebook. Hi guys, it's Andrew with Cityside Medical Clinic. Are you struggling with erectile dysfunction and sick of the pills? Well, we have a major medical breakthrough. The WAVE technology at Cityside Medical Clinic was tested by Cambridge University and the Cleveland Clinic, and the results are in. It's proven to increase blood flow by repairing blood vessels. No pills and no side effects. If you're ready to put a stop to your ED by treating the root cause, call us now. And not only will the assessment and blood flow ultrasound be free, we'll also include something unique that produces powerful results in the bedroom. I don't think I've ever seen it fail. This is a $600 value, free to those that call in the next two minutes. 646-715-5555. That's 646-715-5555. 5555. Guys, put a stop to your erectile dysfunction and get your love life back. Call Cityside Medical Clinic now to qualify. 
646-715-5555. The following is a paid issue advertisement. Hey you, how's the cold? Ugh, I'm dragging. News is on, maybe... The news makes it worse. What really makes me sick is professional politicians like Kathy Hochul. <sighs> yeah, I saw she decided she knows better than the 1.6 million voters who said no to playing games on voting and redistricting. Yep, and then the legislature went there anyway. The Daily News demanded Hochul veto that and run around the voters. She refused. Hochul. Who voted to make her governor? <laughs> Nobody did, dear. She's just Andrew Cuomo's parting gift to New York. Well, now Hochul's pushing to make voting even less secure. The kind of thing voters just rejected. That's because Kathy Hochul doesn't give a... Uh, <laughs> about what voters think. Gesundheit, dear. Tell Kathy Hochul to keep her hands off your vote. Paid for by Safe Together NY Inc. This communication was not expressly authorized or requested by any candidate or any candidate's political committees or any of its agents. This is a test of the emergency alert system. is a coordinated monthly test of the broadcast stations of your area. Equipment that can quickly warn you during emergencies is being tested. If this had been an actual emergency, such as a natural or man-made disaster, official messages would have followed the alert tone. This station serves the New York operational area. This concludes this test of the emergency alert system. to these super hit sounds from Red Apple Media Podcasts. Joan Hamburg's Let Me Tell You. We love the theater. It's the heart of New York City. Bernard McGurk's American Lives Matter. And you're talking politics, so now you're in the political arena. Rita Cosby's Protecting America. Because this is a hot issue. And so much more. Listen now. Go to WABCRadio.com or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Greg Kelly on 77 WABC. Uh, sorry. Did you? Did we pass the test? I heard a test of the emergency broadcasting system, but I got nervous because I couldn't hear anything in here. But you guys could hear it. You guys, all right, we're good. Uh, we are okay. It's cold again. What, 19? No, it's 30 degrees. Uh, I was uh, so excited to walk to work today, but then it started pouring, and I jumped into a taxi cab. I'm not taking that subway anymore. No, I actually still take the subway, but it's different. The whole environment in this city is edgy. And tonight I'm going to make an announcement on national news um, because New York City is the number one tourist destination in the world, I believe. Certainly in New York. If you really add it, it's even more than Disneyland. They come to New York. Uh, I guess it's going to be like Kamala Harris. My message is don't come. Don't come. <laughs> uh, not until we uh, the dust settles on this crazy new uh, attorney uh, district attorney we have, Alvin Bragg, and his nonsense ideas about not recommending jail time, prison time for armed robbers. Uh, 
lessening things, uh, clear classic felonies to misdemeanors. It's dangerous. And I am, uh, I, I think it's kind of, it's, I got this weird thing. If I, if I think that something I could say could help somebody, I will say it even if there's an overwhelming chance that I'm wrong, although I'm not over, there's no chance I'm wrong here. I do think you got to stay away from New York for the time being until we figure out, I mean, is there going to, how are they going to straighten out this crazy DA? He's just essentially decriminalized stuff. Uh, this is dangerous, dangerous public policy. And I don't know where he gets off doing this. You've got to be a lawmaker. Didn't we pass laws like armed robbery? That's against the law. Somewhere along the line, we voted for that. Our legislators did. Our elected leaders said this, and they came up with a penalty. It's this. And now this guy's saying, no, the penalty is not that. It's nothing. It's a slap on the wrist. We don't want to send you to prison because, yeah, I know prison stinks, but uh, what else are we going to do? As Alvin, does Alvin ride the subway, I wonder? Does Alvin Bragg ride the subway? Hmm. Thing about the subway is it's confined, you know, and uh you can't there's nowhere to run. So what do you do? It's tough. I know he gets a city car and all that stuff. Nobody rides a subway. I go down there all the time. Less, but I do. And you know what's happening? It used to be everybody rode the subway. Rich people, poor people, everybody. White people, black people, Hispanic, everybody was down there. Now it's not the same. There's an economic divide that's happening. If you can afford an alternate method of transportation, you take it. If you have to use the subway, that's where you go. Oh, by the way, uh, I guess paying is optional because they're not going to prosecute, not even going to prosecute. Forget penalty. No prosecutions of fair beating. You jump the turnstile. Don't do that, young man. Don't do that. I mean, maybe I should just jump the turnstile. I did it once about two years ago because my um, I, I was out of money on my Metro card and I tried to refill it, but that machine was out of, out of order. And I jumped it. I, I couldn't sleep that night. I was no. I, I I I was. I did feel like I had just committed the crime. Not that I'm Dudley Do Right, but I did the next day swipe my card twice to make it like I did pay for that trip. You got to watch out for that stuff, though. Uh, you you cut the corner here, and then you make right for it, and then you think you're entitled to do something wrong somewhere else. They've done surveys on that. You ever notice when you hold the door for somebody, and if they don't say thank you, it's like the biggest insult in the world? You're like, you're welcome. Yeah. So they've followed people, and when that happens, if you are so snubbed, you are going to do something aggressive. It might be a microaggression. It might be a moderate aggression. It's going to be something, though. You're going to try to take your revenge on the world because you were slighted. It's pretty fascinating. We are, unfortunately, animals unless. Well, we are. But our only way out of that animalistic state is through you-know-who. All right. David in Los Angeles. Yes, hi. Greg, you ask, what are we going to do about this D.A. Bragg? Now, keep in mind, last month, the new mayor, Eric Adams, said, hey, Black Lives Matter ain't going to run this town. We're going to crack down on crime. We're going to lock them up. Yet the D.A. still came out and made the announcement, hi, I'm legalizing crime in all the ways you mentioned. So 
don't expect. So Eric Adams comes out now. Everybody's optimistic. Oh, Eric said he's going to talk to the DA. I'm going to talk to the DA. He's my friend. He's a good guy. But the DA don't care because he knew Eric thought that, and he still decriminalized everything. And so he's not going to change. He's a Soros-backed DA. Look what's happened in Chicago. Look what's happened in San Francisco. It didn't work. Then the mayors come out and say, well, gee, uh, we need to crack down. Yep. And the DAs come out and double down. Yep. And- You're right about Soros. I forgot about that. He gave a million bucks to uh, our new DA. More when we come back. Thanks, Dave. This is Greg Kelly on 77 WABC. Eric Adams is, uh, I don't think he's learning on the job. He is a neophyte. He is an amateur. It really is something to watch. It's also amazing to watch the fake news cover for him. Why? Because they're dazzled. He looks great in a suit. He's a vegan. He's a Democrat. He's black. He's all these things that are so cool. Who's going to take him on? They'll pick on the Asian guy. That's what they did in the campaign. They picked on the Asian guy, Andrew Yang. They felt very comfortable doing that. Media, you know what? They're just like the mean kids in high school. Remember that? Picture a high school, the cafeteria. Um, They're just – and remember the cool kids, right? That's kind of what the media are, but they're not that cool. But they think they're cool, and they love judging everybody else. But they're very selective, and they're very – they know who's got clout. They know who has status. So what do they do? They pick on those. They think they can get away with it. Uh, There used to be a slogan in journalism newsrooms. uh, uh, What was it? Uh, We should comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. I think it might have been Joseph Pulitzer or somebody like that who came up with it. We should comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. Isn't that kind of – doesn't that make sense, you know? The working class, the downtrodden, you know, we should be their champions yet. And those in power, we should – no, it's it's the other way around. It really is. And they have such contempt for working class people. You know, they just want – most of them are performing for Netflix, for book publishers, and for each other. That's who they care about. That's that's who they're trying to cultivate favor with because that means money and comfort and prestige and status for themselves. Oh, this is interesting. And I talked about this a bit last night. Try to find a picture of Joe Biden with his brothers, Frank and Jim. You know, Frank and Jim Biden, they've been cashing in on being uh, Joe Biden's brothers, siblings for, uh, let's see, 50 years. It's actually 50 years this month. Wait, no, it's not. It's 49 years ago this month. Joe Biden became a U.S. senator in 1972, a senator-elect. These guys have been cashing in ever since. Rudy Giuliani calls it the Biden crime family. I think he's right. I think he's totally figured these guys out. You tell me. Is this cashing in? Here's Frank Biden, brother of Joe who's not an attorney, yet somehow he's in a commercial for a law firm. Cut 26. I'm Frank Biden. I'm the non-attorney senior advisor to clients statewide who need diversified business solutions through the Berman Law Group. I'm available for consultation with attorney Teddy Berman in any of our offices statewide. 
Diversified Business Solutions. That's code for I'll get favors done for you if you pay us. That's not legal work. Diversified business. And he says he's not a lawyer in the Berman Law Firm commercial. Isn't that what he said right away? One more. This is Frank Biden, little brother of Joe. I'm Frank Biden. I'm the non-attorney senior advisor to clients statewide who need diversified business solutions through the Berman Law Group. I'm available for consultation with attorney Teddy Berman in any of our offices statewide. Yeah, Frank, the president's brother. Meet me in Pensacola uh, Thursday morning at 930. I think he comes running. That's how it works. The president's brother. I mean, if I wanted something done, if I had business before, I think that could be coming kind of use, kind of help, right? So you can try to find this. I did. Can't find any pictures of Joe with his two brothers. It's kind of amazing. You can't find them in the same room together. They don't want to be seen together. You know why? Because it's a conspiracy. It really is. Now, I, I know it sounds great. I couldn't believe it. I, it's, a consp- it's a conspiracy to steal. All right? Now, here's Tony Bobolinsky. Do you remember Tony Bobolinsky? This guy is a legit businessman, international businessman. He is the real deal. He knows how to set up a hedge fund. They hired him or they pretended to the Bidens because they had some scheme that they need to put a legitimate face on. So they get Tony Bobolinsky involved. And Tony's an honorable man. And he's like, okay, he's setting all this stuff up and all this weird stuff and crap starts happening. He can't figure it out. Here he is. He's talking to Tucker a while back, summarizing a conversation that he has with James Biden, uh, Joe's his older brother. Anyway, one of his brothers. Go ahead. Well, aren't you concerned? And he sort of he looked at me and he laughed a little bit and said, uh, plausible deniability. He said that out loud? Uh, yes, he said it directly to me, one-on-one in a cabana at the Peninsula Hotel after about a you know, hour and a half, two hour meeting with me asking out of concern, how are you guys doing this? Aren't you concerned that you're going to put your brother's, you know, future presidential campaign at risk? Um, you know, the Chinese, the stuff that you guys have been doing already in 2015 and 2016 around the world. And uh, I just can almost picture his face where he sort of chuckles and says, you know, plausible deniability. Plausible deniability, a wink and a nod, but no paper trail. They make all the money, but they don't officially give it to Joe, but they give it to Joe. Plausible deniability. These guys are running all over the world. They don't know how to start a hedge fund, yet they get a billion dollars from China. You can see it from space. Oh, there's no evidence. Shut up. You're not even looking. You don't even bother. This guy has Democrat immunity. It's as simple as that. And how dare that idiot, Letitia James continues her harassment campaign against the Trump family. We have we have fallen so far, this country. I guess um, the press has always stunk, but not like this. You know, it's uh, I remember once on the Long Island Railroad, my father saying to me, wow, the New York Times, such a great paper. And he was looking at a at a graphic that they had made describing, I think, how the space shuttle worked. This is like in 1980. The space shuttle hadn't launched yet. And I remember looking at it, and like it really explained it well. And wow, they explained things. 
Now they don't explain things. They don't illuminate. They just judge. They just sit back and tell you what's what's what they think is righteous and what they think is not righteous. It's really cancerous, I think, their presence in American life. All right. That's kind of depressing. Uh, oh, wait a second. On The View. I don't know why we talk about The View so much. I don't think I've ever actually seen the show since 1999, perhaps. But the clips make news. And this is Anna Navarro. She's supposed to be a Republican. And here she is shooting her mouth off on Janu- about the 2016 election. It's funny. We have concerns about the 2020 election. Oh, that's baseless. That's been debunked. But 2016, you could say anything you wanted about it. Uh, let's see this Anna Navarro character, please. Go ahead. Look, I felt I felt that Joe, Donald Trump had not been legitimately elected. I thought he'd gotten help from the Russians. But you know what? It would have never occurred to me to take up arms against Donald Trump. That's just not what we do in America. Our weapon of choice is voting. It's democracy. It's the ballot. And so I hope people remember January 6th. You know why? You know how? By registering to vote. By making sure they know where they have to show up to vote. Because there are elections this year. And they are so crucial. Yeah. That's not as bad as I thought. I like what you said about registering to vote and showing up to vote. (laughs) Instead of just sitting back and getting some leaflet in the mail. Check here. Check there. We'll do it for you. Yeah, you got to register to vote, just like they did in Germany. Remember, I play, did I play you that clip yet about how to, how, how they voted in Germany? Kamala Harris lies to everybody saying, oh, Angela Merkel visited me. She can't believe what we're doing to voting rights in this country. Uh, as a matter of fact, here she is saying just that. Cut 41. One of my favorite interactions was um, the past uh, chancellor of Germany, Angela Merkel. She came over for breakfast. She asked me about voting, and she knew what was going on here. And this is not a a subject that was unique to my conversation with her, by the way, in terms of world leaders. Because people around the world watch what we do as America, because we have held ourselves out to be a model of the efficacy, of the, 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 the ability of a democracy to coexist with an economic strength and power. We have been a role model saying you can see this and aspire to this and reject autocracies Mm -hmm. and autocratic leadership. And right now we're about to take ourselves off the map as a role model. If we let if we let people destroy one of the most important pillars of a democracy, which is free and fair election. (laughs) She gets really emotional about it. She might think that she can get away with fooling us or fooling that little interviewer, uh, Angela Merkel. If she did come over and say, what the hell are you guys doing with voting? You're going to let anybody vote? I mean, you just send them a ballot and then they fill it in and send it back. You realize that's uh, that leaves you vulnerable to voter fraud. Everybody knows that, including, I think, Angela Merkel, because if you want to vote in Germany, you know how you do it? Well, you got to do it by their rules, which require voter ID. I found this on uh, the English channel in Germany. They have an English public television channel in Germany. Basically, half the country over there at least speaks English. But this is from German television. Listen to this. 
Three or four weeks before the elections, she receives a letter, a so-called Wahlbenachrichtigung, inviting her to vote at a school nearby. The date and time as well as the address of where she can vote are indicated here. With this Wahlbenachrichtigung, she also has the option to apply to vote via regular mail. When Sayan arrives at the school, she shows her Wahlbenachrichtigung. An election worker checks her ID and indicates which booth she may vote in. You hear that? They send her a Wanderscheichen Mata, and uh, she has to have ID, and they check the ID. That's what they're talking about, ID. But Kamala Harris makes it, ah! She really is something else. Oh, poor, well, I almost feel sorry for her because, boy, oh, boy, there are, they're really undermining her. Somebody else quit her office. So they're still angry about her for how she treated Joe Biden in 2019 during the campaign. I mean, she called him old. She called him a racist. She called him all kinds of horrible things. She yelled at him. It was really elder abuse, quite frankly. And um, Joe, Joe remembers. Joe doesn't like it. Joe only picked her because who's that congressman in South Carolina that everybody thinks is so powerful? Jim Clyburn, because Jim Clyburn told him that it had to be a woman of color. And she was the only one. I mean, I guess she vetted the best, which also isn't that good. And now she's talking about voting, uh, voting for everybody. Listen to the word unfettered here. Unfettered access to vote. Do you think you should have unfettered access to vote? Sounds nice, but it's not. Cut 42. And this is not about saying you should vote for me or you should vote for Democrats. This is about everyone having unfettered access to their right to vote. Unfettered access to their right to vote. Unfettered. I guess ID would be considered fettered. Now, nobody, no normal person, no sane person, only only a, um, I think a malicious person would would advocate no ID. When we need ID to do just about everything. You know what I mean, Gail in Staten Island? Hi. Hi, Greg. <clears throat> a couple of points. Oh. I was listening to you. Well, you know what we're witnessing? We're witnessing global glomming. Big Smother is running this country with the money. Both sides of the aisle, when you have Reuters and other big investors that sit on the boards um, of Reuters and can take people off of Twitter when their opinion differs with them, yeah. which might happen to you. But this new, um, which I would hate for that to happen, but this new um, uh, um, head of the uh, city that um, they're going to have a conversation with, our mayor, over uh, letting these young people out uh, because of, uh, you know, they're too young and the, the um, yeah. mental health issues. Uh, we already had a place for mental health issues. It was called Thrive. That the 103 million went to a city diversion centers. Uh, one of them sits empty in the Bronx. You can look it up. Yeah. And one of them is uh, it housed 45 people in um, Harlem. So what this is going to do? It's going to embolden young kids uh, initiations uh, into child sex trafficking if they allow uh, prostitution. And uh, we have to help the people with the mental issues. 
You know, I, it is going to embolden a lot of people. And what they will say is, well, look at, look at, no, look at that, look at my memorandum. I, it specifically says, uh, sex trafficking is still against the law and still, that's not the big takeaway. The big takeaway, you know, the whole adage, if you give an inch, they'll take a mile. That's what's going to happen here. So, uh, Gail, I appreciate it. Hey, it looks like Constantine Maroulis is uh, standing by. We're going to have a little conversation about politics in just a little bit. Uh, all right, I got to take another quick break. Be right back. This is Greg Kelly on 77 WABC. All right, everybody. We all know Constantine Maroulis. We first got to know them, know him, some of us, during American Idol. He was awesome, spectacular. And, of course, on Broadway, Rock of Ages, now at WABC. Constantine Maroulis joins us right in the studio. Constantine, good What to up, you. friend? You and I go back a long ways. You started showing up on Good Day New York in, like, 2009, 10. When were you on Idol? Five, 2005, I think. Wow. You, Six. Uh, no, Constantine, you're the real deal. You're very, Thank very you. talented. Will you do me a favor? It's one of my favorite stories about you, actually. <laughs> now, when you you were nominated for Tony, mm-hmm. right? What? How did you find out that you were nominated, and what did you do in that moment? Wow. You know, it was always my lifelong dream to, to create a role on Broadway. Everyone knows me from American Idol and all that, but I grew up as an actor as well, musical theater geek, playing in rock and roll bands. Born right here in the city, in Brooklyn, actually. Raised in New Jersey. So Broadway was always my dream. I always loved, you know, the movies and, and music, the Grammys and the Oscars. But something about the Tonys always just jumped off the television to me. And seeing West Side Story as a kid, um, just my dream to be on Broadway and to create a role. And yes, shortly after my time on American Idol, I met the producers of, of Rock of Ages up at Creative Artists, the big agency. You know, they pitched me this show with a, literally a mixtape. They're like, this is the show. I was like, great, let's do it. So finally, we got it together. We got here to New York off Broadway. No one cared. No one paid attention when we were off Broadway. Okay. No, the Times, the Post, no one would even review the show. The word of mouth was crazy. We were giving away tickets, and the word of mouth just built and built and built. And by the time we opened on Broadway, spring of 2009, we were we dominated. We dominated. No one thought we could do it. Uh, we opened with a principal investment of like well under $10 million, which is unheard of. You can't open a show for less than $10 million these days. And we did it. And we garnered five Tony nominations. It's become a worldwide brand. And sure, to be recognized by my community uh, as a best actor, um, Tony nominee, surreal, man. I've been through some cool stuff in my life, but that was totally surreal. I remember waking up. I didn't sleep that night. You know, you heard things and there's lists they put out and people are saying you may or may not. And I was going up against some big actors. And, uh, I remember waking up that morning and they would show it on um, like New York One. Yeah. Yeah. Lin-Manuel Miranda actually himself was making the announcements. He had uh, only In the Heights was a big hit for him at the time, not even Hamilton, of course. And he said my name, I think maybe second. And he said it correctly and with such, you know, pizzazz. It just it was surreal. Just everything stopped. It was a big moment for me. Awesome. Congratulations. Well, thank you. I love the whole story. Thank you. And uh, wait, one other thing about that Broadway, <laughs> eight performances a week. Is yeah. that what it was? Yeah. Now, I don't think anybody knows. I mean, that is that's got to be one of the hardest jobs ever. It's a hard job. And certainly our community has been through it these last couple of years. And there's actually there's part of our community 
vying and fighting for us to only do um, have a, a six or a five show or a five day work week instead of a six day work week because we're we're we have one off day a week but we do eight shows right and certain holiday schedules there's even more shows which is crazy I it mean, is crazy but and and you're singing your but I love it. I live for it. So I'm not going to be the one like, that's fine. I, I allow anyone to have their, their, their peace and what they want to say. And, you know, our union is really good to us, I feel, overall. And I live for the eight shows. I'm not one of these leads that takes matinees off. I want to be there. Yeah. And I, I, want, I want the best reputation, representation of our show to be there um, for, for the better of our show. Now, we have great understudies. And recently in the news, there was something um, – you know the the head of the Broadway League, basically the commissioner, uh, Charlotte St. Martin, hugely influential, amazing. Uh oh, what did she oh, say? Oh, she said some stuff about understudies because we've had to cancel some shows recently. You know, I produce as well. We've had to cancel some shows. We had a big comeback. We opened, reopened. Now shows are kind of canceling one here, two there. Some are taking a couple of weeks off, a few weeks off. Some are trying to push through. But what happens with a new show? What happens with a new show, the understudies are less um, rehearsed. Now, they've sat and observed in the room during the rehearsal process, but they haven't had time on stage yet. Often, they don't even have costumes yet. Yeah. And they haven't certainly gone through it on stage safely with all of the, you know, the crew and things in yeah. place. Some people are just thrown out there. Now, we're ready to do that. That's what we train to do. But some shows have decided rather than do that, as a new show, they'll take a show off. So there was some controversy. She said the older shows are, are more prone to have success with their understudies because they've been there a long time. It was a big thing. People are calling for her head. They yeah. want her head on a stake. Yeah. And I know Charlotte. She's a big fan. Her wording was not great. You know, but I everybody we, gets so worked up about I know. words. Everybody should lighten up. I including, agree, including Constantine. <laughs> All right, here's the deal. Yes. Constantine and I. Here's the deal. That's a Biden phrase. Unfortunately, that son of a yeah. he's gotten me saying it. Here's the deal. So uh, look, we disagree uh, politically rather uh, significantly, and I know that because <laughs> on Twitter, you know, I'm out there shooting my mouth off, and and there you are shooting your mouth off about just about everything I'm saying. <laughs> now let me let me let's let me get this straight. All right. Do you really think Joe Biden? Is doing a good job. I do. Oh! I do. Okay. <laughs> look, let's let's take the Mr. Magoo narrative out. He's he's clearly an eighty year old man. You know, uh, uh, not the ideal candidate for the Democrats to have there, but he was the best guy at the time for the job. And I think a vote for Joe was just in a big way. And you have to remember, I'm not some screaming liberal. I'm really Except not on Twitter. Well, there's certain things. I'm I'm really down the middle. I mean, I voted for Bush. I voted for Chris Christie. You know, I, 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 I certainly am socially more liberal, but I, I just felt felt like we needed to turn the temperature down. And I think a vote for Joe was a just a vote not for for number forty five. And look, now, can I ask you this? I think none of this was going to be easy coming out of this pandemic, and it's certainly not over yet. Getting out of Afghanistan, you know. The border, none of it was going to be easy. I think that you guys do a good job of making, you know, the boogeyman out of a lot of the guys on the other side. Well, the boogeyman, I mean, look, these guys are, in my opinion, they're either evil or, I mean, grossly incompetent. 
the Afghanistan thing, which I noticed, Constantine, you kind of brushed over there pretty quick. It wasn't going to be easy. I mean, that – do you realize how how much that put us back as a country to see that calamity? Mm. You think Russia and China – you think they're just saying, well, it wasn't going to be easy. No, we are screwed now. Yeah. Russia can take over Crimea fully. I think China is going to take over Taiwan because of Joe. But correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't the last administration start this deal, make this deal with the with the you know with the Taliban, and we knew what was going to happen? You know, no. Yeah, forty five made yeah, a deal. No, no, no. Well, we made a deal that brokered peace. By the way, there was everything was great. I think if up you until take, Afghanistan, yeah. up until up until Joe took over and said, "We're getting out by the end of August." Shut up, you generals! I don't want to hear about you. Close that airfield a hundred miles out of town. We'll all leave from downtown. Uh, Kabul. That's going to be great. I mean, that nursery school student could have seen it was going to be bad. Yeah, I think that it was never. It wasn't going to be easy for Don either to get out of there. He wanted to get out. He wanted to get out in a big way. And it's easy to say now, Monday morning quarterback, to be like his plan was better. We would have been safer. Um, you know, releasing prisoners uh, not going to be good. Look, the obviously the suicide bomber, and for us to lose our our men and women like that was 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 right. awful. And and I think that that painted it. Uh, even even worse, uh, and obviously that's th- so hard to plan for and to and to defend. Um, and you know, I think about those soldiers all the time. And you know, you know, I lost my first cousin in nine eleven. You know, I wanted blood. I do? wanted heads. What? He was a partner at Sandler O'Neill South Tower, hundred and fourth floor, and I wanted heads on a stick. I wanted blood. I wanted revenge. But you know, you come to a bit more of your senses, some common sense, and you know, you obviously let, you know, cooler heads prevail. and But don't you think, well, look, look, back then, I think we agree. We wanted blood. We wanted revenge. My big frustration, you mentioned Bush. We could have hit Afghanistan, those terror camps, the very next day mm. or maybe two days later. Mm. Bush waited almost a month. Actually, I think it was six weeks. And you know why? Because the son of a was already thinking about Iraq. And so was Cheney. Well, Cheney was his, you know, puppet master there for sure. It felt like always. And uh, I think ultimately, and I've got, I've gotten to meet uh, W. And I think that he was a, a good man. You know, I think that he got, you know, he was influenced heavily by Dick Cheney, and he he wanted to do what was right. And looking back, you know, that was to get into Iraq was 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 tough. And was, that's that's let me I think you and I might agree on this because But Joe evac 200,000 no, no, people out me, of there. No, in let me two let weeks. me let me run this by you. And then we're going to talk about something that we can I know agree on, but we might agree <laughs> on this. So where was I going with this? Uh all right. George the Bushes the Bushes are responsible for the Iraq war. Mm. Hundreds of thousands of people died, especially Iraqis, but a lot of Americans. Yeah. We were going to get master, weapons of mass destruction. There were no weapons of mass. It was a colossal mistake that Jeb Bush could have, with a straight face, run for president, citing his brother, and he kept us safe and all this nonsense. And Liz Cheney, the daughter of Dick, is out there, and these people are now considered reasonable. George W. Bush, he was in New Jersey. He came out and he spoke out against Trump supporters, and January 6th was the worst thing that ever happened. No, I'm sorry. We can disagree about January 6th. But I think we do agree that Iraq was horrible, totally avoidable, 
and those who brought us the war, including George W. Bush, especially George W. Bush and Cheney, I think they should be dismissed from society. Oof. Yeah. Yeah, it's a terrible time. Just missing. No, you don't want to go with you don't want to, you don't I thought you'd agree with me on that a little well, bit. Well, I mean I, I don't you know. You can't how, invade the wrong country and say oops. You know, you can't like you just we just can't let that there can't be okay. Oh, well, I don't see Dick you don't see Dick around much. You see his daughter, Liz. So and, you think that's they, his influence on her I getting do, it out there? I do actually very, very personal because they hate Trump because Trump was brash enough, uh bold enough. Uh, rude enough to walk into the room and say Iraq was a big fat mistake, <laughs> you know, and that was a doozy. And Jeb, you can run for president now, but that was a big fat mistake. Saying stuff like that yeah. infuriated them. But hey, listen, what else is going on? Are you what's your uh, marital situation? Are no, mar- saying- never married. I have a daughter. She's eleven. She's in fifth grade. She's man. If I had to chase this kid around during distance learning, that would have sucked. She was the first one up. And of course, now we're talking over the last couple of years. First one up in the morning, dressed for school, you know, signing in, killing it. She's got the top math average in the grade, doing ballet, travel soccer, tennis. Beautiful. She's killing it. Thank you. And uh, I'm so blessed because we we haven't had the easiest run. Her mom and I. We've we're in a really good place now with the co-parenting thing, which can be really tough. Mm. We moved from New York City to New Jersey. Uh, some tumultuous, uh, you know, TMZ stuff along the way and everything else. But we're in a great town in Wyckoff, New Jersey. Uh, we have a great kid. We're honestly the envy of so many families that seemingly have this perfect life and perfect home. And, you know, they, they have it tough with their kids and challenges. But so far, so good. She's kind. She's brilliant and smart. And, yeah, man, for me, look, I just want I want equality. I want I want. I, want I don't want to talk about the president every day. Hold on a I don't, second. you know. I want equality, but I don't want equity, and you know the difference. <laughs> equality, yes. Do we agree? All right. Yes, sir. I, okay, good. Listen, do me a favor. Follow Constantine on social media. Uh, you could watch him being mad oh, at me. I can <laughs> only imagine at, the- at Constantine M. At Constantine M. And of course, uh, he's everywhere here at WABC. That's Constantine right. Maroulis. Right. Thanks, pal. Thank you, Constantine M on Twitter. Constantine Maroulis on Instagram. But. Uh, yeah, no sliding in the DMs, okay? No, oh, that's what. Unless that's you're what, like, why not? <laughs> unless you're like a young Cindy Crawford or that's, something. That's okay. Sliding. <laughs> I do notice your DMs are open. All right, thank you, Constantine. We'll Thanks, right buddy. Back. All right. This is Greg Kelly on seventy-seven WABC. Nice guy, that Constantine Maroulis. I like him. Uh, politically, <laughs> it is what it is, but that's okay. I think we had a. We disagreed without being disagreeable. Is that sometimes those conversations can stink? By the way, they can be very tense and very. And if they're not tense, they can be they can be ugly and or they can be boring. But I think that was just the right balance. Um, uh, thank you, Constantine at Constantine M on Twitter and at Constantine Maroulis on Instagram, but not on this one. Thanks, everybody. See you tonight on Newsmax at seven. Boy, oh boy, Instagram is smart. I don't know what the hell's going on. They know, like, number one, I'm thinking about buying a new watch. I guess somehow it heard me talk about that all day long. Instagram shows me beautiful watches that I want to buy or I just, you know, anyway, I'm looking. It Somehow it figured that out, and I see them all the time. Now, the other thing I wanted to say about Instagram, the selfie, oh, my gosh, it's nauseating. We have become a country full of narcissists. 
I don't want to sound sexist or mean or I'm singling anybody out, but I'm sorry. Women between the ages of, say, 18 and uh, 100, <laughs> you guys are the worst. I mean, I've taken a picture or two of myself when I'm doing something interesting like, uh, I don't know, bothering Alec Baldwin or uh, riding the bus when it wouldn't make any stops, and I had a whole uh, moment there. But uh, just taking a picture of yourself, looking at yourself in the mirror with the phone and just you know sucking your cheeks in and like looking like that and sticking your butt out and putting it on Instagram and, oh, my gosh, you look amazing. What good is that? Zero. None. I'm sorry. And I am going to single out women because I think they're more vulnerable to this than others, especially young women, actually. Um, what is it? There's this illusion – you see, you're getting max credit for zero effort. It's not really terribly special to be 23 years old and uh, alluring, shall we say. All right? You're at your peak physically and all these things are happening and you take a picture and you get uh, 5,000 comments or whatever it is, likes or this, that. Um, and you feel like you did something but you didn't do anything. You didn't create anything of value. That's not valuable. That doesn't take skill. You think it takes skill? No, it takes a phone and being your age. That's not valuable. People will not pay you for that. Oh, what are you talking about? I have a friend who made $500 from a skincare company. Great. Let's see how that works out for you long term. But the Kardashians are, they become billion. Yeah. There are six people who make significant living, uh, significant money on Instagram. And the rest of us are just suckers. All right. Actually, I barely put anything on Instagram. Every now and then I do. On Twitter, well, look, I'm not above this. I know what it's like. You put something out there, people, you know, it, it is addictive. And I guess Facebook uh, knows that, and there is that scandal. They have all that documentation, and they didn't release it to the public, what they know. And I, It's complicated. What are you going to do? Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, I think they should take the company away from Mark and uh, take Amazon away from Jeffrey and all those guys because they can't be trusted with it. It's too big. It's too powerful. We've got to take it over. I know that sounds socialist. I'm not a socialist. But there are certain things that cannot be in private hands. It has to be in the hands of all of us. Like, I guess they did this with the telephone company. you got to moderate. Aren't Don't we have antitrust laws? Do me a favor. Let's call some attorney. And figure out how we can break up Amazon. I think we've got to do it. Alfred in Yonkers, hello. Hi, Greg. Oh, happy New Year, by the way. Um, I just wanted to make a couple of comments. Um, uh, I'm not buying the PTS, um, PTSD situation with the Capitol Police officers. Uh, you know, I I don't think they saw anything that uh, dramatic or dressed, you know, um, anything that was life-changing yeah. during, you know, on January 6th. Let's put it that way. Um, yeah, you know, I know police officers have to see a lot of things, but I don't think in that situation, I don't think that was one of them. I totally agree, you know, Alfred. And Alfred, uh, sorry, you've been on hold, but I got to go. I want to hear what this is. Merrick Garland, the attorney general, and he's talking about prosecutions of January 6th people right now. Uh, can we turn this on? Let's turn it on. Count to the Electoral College, a large crowd gathered outside the Capitol building. Shortly after 2 p.m., individuals in the crowd began to force entry into the Capitol by smashing windows and assaulting U.S. Capitol Police, who were stationed there to protect the members of Congress as they took part 
in one of the most solemn proceedings oh, of our democracy. Oh, shut up. It's a false flag. Others in the crowd encouraged and assisted. What about the cops who, who let them the in? Police. Who ordered that? Over the course of several hours, outnumbered law enforcement officers sustained a barrage of repeated violent attacks. What about the person you about killed? About 80 Capitol Police and 60 D.C. Metropolitan Police were assaulted. Oh, here we go again. As our and own court filings and thousands murdered. of public videos of the event attest, perpetrators punched dozens of law enforcement officers, knocking some officers unconscious. Some perpetrators tackled and dragged law enforcement officers. Among the many examples of such violence, one officer was crushed in a door, another oh, was dragged down a crushed. set of stairs, face down, repeatedly tased and beaten, and suffered a heart attack. Some perpetrators attacked law enforcement officers with chemical agents that wow, burned their eyes guy, and skin. He's the, atter- turn it and off. Some- he's the Attorney General of the United States talking like Rachel Maddow. We've, all, we've heard all this crap before. You're being selective, you're hyping, and you're ignoring the problems you should be focused on. Why the hell did the cops fail? What happened? What was Nancy Pelosi doing? What orders did they receive? How the hell could they not have been ready for that? Turn it up one more time. Had to be evacuated. As a consequence, proceedings in both chambers were disrupted for hours, interfering with a fundamental element of American democracy. This is the same guy, guy, by the way, who unleashed the FBI on those school board meetings. Called those... uh, you know, those tiger moms, uh, domestic terrorists. All right, where is this going? Department of Justice. It is impossible to overstate the heroism of the Capitol Police officers. Excuse me. Washington, D.C. Metropolitan Police Department oh, officers. You're full of it. And other law enforcement officers who defended and secured the Capitol that day. Turn it off. They failed. Period. Did we hand out medals to the cops after the Tompkins Square Park riot? No. Goodness gracious. This is this is like living in uh, 1984. We're, right, one more time. He's getting me upset. Selflessly to the attack on January 6th have since lost their lives. Oh, here we go. This is another I ask line. everyone to please join me in a moment of silence in recognition of the service and sacrifice of Officer Brian Sicknick. Officer Howard Liebengood, Officer Jeffrey Smith, Officer Gunther Hashida, and Officer Kyle DeFreitag. No moment of silence, and I'll tell you why. That's enough. Thank you very much. He just rattled off the names of cops who killed themselves, with the exception of Brian Sicknick, who did not die from anything that happened on January 6th. You can look up his death certificate. They should be honest. Suicides happen in law enforcement, but they are not related, by and large, to the job. It's just amazing what's happening right now. Take down the seal of the United States government of the Attorney General and throw up MSNBC fake news. That's what that guy is. We are in trouble. Be right back. This is Greg Kelly on 77 WABC. 
really is amazing what some people will do for uh, power, for the prestige of a job. And this guy is just looking straight ahead. Merrick Garland, I know they wanted him on the Supreme Court. I assume he has some intellectual capacity. How anyone can look at January 6th and ignore some of the deeply troubling um, aspects of that day that they're not talking about. Cops stepping aside and letting people in. The killing of Ashley Babbitt. These, you're just going to brush that aside? Hmm? The overall lack of preparedness? I mean, like, we knew, folks knew that January 6th, even in New York, they were worried about bad stuff happening. So, all right. Very, very, uh, I guess, predictable. You know, why would this guy be suddenly independent or anything like this? Uh, All right. uh, Let's see here. Um, Liz in Bergen County. Hello. Hi, Greg. Yeah, hi. Hi, hi, hi. Again, the PTSD situation with the D.C. police. What about the people and and the uh, man who just the news reporter? I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. Just like the caller before me. This is ridiculous. And Merrick Garlic now talking. Ridiculous. It really is. It's all stage. stage. What about the cities that have been under siege for for two, three years? Children being shot in baby carriages at grandma's house, in cars at McDonald's. Come on. They don't address the violence that that happened and that they want to talk about PTSD for one-day event. Yeah. Liz, do me a favor. Stand by. I want to see. I'm just curious if he has changed his tune. Every now and then they say something, but I got to give me 10 seconds. Go ahead. Both in terms of the injuries they caused and the serious risk they posed to our democratic institutions. Gosh. The actions we have taken thus far will not be our last. Oh, yeah. All right. Thank the you. Thank ju- you. So understanding, huh? So uh, so reasonable. Stephen in Manhattan. Uh, hello. Thank you very much for taking my call. I appreciate it. And I, I like to listen to you on the radio. Uh, before I just go into what I really call about, I wanted to say you remind me so much in your delivery, your voice, your pacing of, and I don't know if anybody else has told you this, of Regis Philbin. Has anybody ever said that to you? Uh, no. Uh, wait, I'm trying to okay. think. I mean, actually, uh, look, I knew Regis. I'm a big fan of Regis. I watched Regis, and I, I got to know him right. a bit. He was, a very, right. he was very nice to me, very good to me. And I may have adopted a couple of his uh, mannerisms, uh, and, and the way he kind of sometimes talks like this, but... I, I would I would say if I had to write a list of broadcasters who had a, had an impact on me, he would be on the list. Right. So thank you. And Regis, rest in oh, peace. Th- great man. What else? Rest in peace for sure. Uh, the next uh, the topic I call about, it's it's nowhere near. It is not pleasant. It is it is. I'm seeking to find a reason why every weekend there is a murder extravaganza going on in Chicago and in other cities, mostly democratic in this uh, nation. And I've come up with an idea, a controversial conspiracy idea. And I'm wondering what you, uh, what you, Greg, what you think about it. And that's this. There is a legal system in this country to accept body parts. Hospitals run it and they accept body parts and they deliver them. Or it's, it's worldwide. Now, listen, there are people that are murdered 
in let's take Chicago. In Chicago, there are people that are murdered that are not claimed. People who have God, I know where you're going with this. You money. think you think it's some sort of a organ selling kind of arrangement that might be going on? A cartel. I think there's a cartel in the United States to take people that are not claimed and turn them over to a bogus but legal clinic. A a real doctor takes an organ out, a kidney, a heart, whatever, and sells it. Yeah. Sells it to the real uh, um, organization that yeah. exists. I got to admit, it, it, it never crossed my mind, but I can't rule it out. I, I mean, I'm sure it's happened at some point. Yeah. Uh, wow. I, I think this bears looking into. Hey, you ever see the movie Coma in the 70s? A very, very interesting movie. Yeah, yeah it's a great movie. Michael Douglas. I watched it about uh, a few months ago. It's very good. What were you going to say? And the guy, the doctor is finally found out because any... Oh, don't give it away. Way. Don't give it away. Don't give it away. Don't give it that away. Okay. Nice talking to you, Steve. Watch Coma, everybody. And, Stephen, I'm going to take a look into that. And thank you for the nice words. Thank you, Stephen. Uh, who was the doctor in that movie, Coma? The Not Michael Douglas, but the other one. He was in an I Love Lucy episode, too. All right. I uh, Sorry. Okay. Uh, all right. Let's wrap things up with Judith in Brooklyn. Hi, Judith. Hi. Happy New Year. I was just as angry as you were when I heard Garland. And I also was upset with Constantine. I'll tell you why. Oh, leave him he alone. Donald Trump. I should leave him alone. Yeah. What, what about the eighteen months negotiations, peaceful way? With yeah, I know, I know. I, I made that more point to him, but look, I mean, you know, he, okay, he, we okay, disagree. So That's listen. all. What? Okay, so you know what? Yeah, but you have to like straighten out the record because then he repeats misinformation, and it's just not I, true. thank it's you. All right, all right, all right. Way. Thank yeah. Uh, you. Know what? You know what? Hello. Yeah. Oh, Greg. Yeah. Okay, January sixth, the big lie. Um, oh. Bill O'Reilly said that. Trump should uh, admit to a mistake calling off sooner the supposed riot. I say absolutely not. That would show guilt. That would show responsibility for a riot that was not uh, part of what he ever asked for. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I don't think Bill O'Reilly is right in this uh, circumstance, but uh, the guy is more right than wrong. He's a lot right. Uh this is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.